12, and we're beginning this uh, new series. It's just it's just Genesis. Uh, we did a little bit of Genesis in uh, in the beginning of last year on Sunday nights, and we covered the first 11 chapters from creation all the way up to the Tower of Babel. And as I said a minute ago, that the chapter 12 and on is really a it could be a separate book in the way that they the the feel of the of the writing is just it changes from. Uh, really kind of brushing over history of many people, this guy lived and died, uh, to, here, let's put the brakes on it, because really Abraham is uh, the beginning of, and there's a lot of beginnings, but he's really the beginning of, of it all, of, of uh, the, the nation of Israel. He's the beginning of, of our, uh, he's our spiritual forefather. And so it's just, a, it's an interesting study. And so uh, we see a lot from Abraham. We're going to look at just one uh, little passage. One of the things that I I hesitate to go through a book like this uh, is that there's so much that I don't want to I don't want to overlook the important stuff. But at the same time, I don't want to get bogged down uh, in four years later. We've gotten, you know, into chapter 13. Finally, I want I want to move, make some progress. But at the same time, there's so much here. And so I encourage you to even take notes as you're writing something down. I just usually if I'm if I hear something good. I jot something down and I go back and look at it later on and it might be better than what I've given you so you can just email it to me and I'll and I'll uh, I'll use that uh, as well and I can get a free free sermon out of that. I appreciate that. I'll send you a gift card too if you want. Uh, my wife uh, has made a couple of jokes the last few weeks about my wife writing my sermons and she she uh, said something the other night. She's like, I hope that people know that that you really I really don't do that. <laughs> Now, I think they'd be much better if she was doing that. So I'm sure you would know you would know the difference. But uh, anyways, Genesis chapter 12, and uh, we're looking at this man called Abram. We're going to back up into chapter 11 to get a, a history of of where Abraham comes from, because in a way, this is all about an introduction to the man that we've known. We sung about him from from uh, primary church, you know, singing Father Abraham. We we're going to put that on the song list today, but it just didn't seem um, as worshipful as it seemed in primary church, and we could all do right arm, left arm, and all, and the pews just don't give us a lot of room to move all those things. If you don't know him, Father Abraham is, you're missing out, and uh, you, you need to learn that song. But uh, we, uh, we learn a lot about Abraham in Bible stories, but we don't necessarily get a lot of background on Abraham, and it's important for us to understand who Abraham is or was to understand why, why Abraham is such a main character. And, and, and we also see that many times these, these people, we kind of, we, we put them up on this pedestal like they're superheroes, and they could do no wrong. Can you imagine? I'm so glad that, that, that God has done writing the Bible. I do not want to live in the time when God is writing the Bible and decided, hey, I'm going to put you in there, and for all eternity, I'm going to record every bad decision you ever made so people can read about it and so that guys can get up on Sunday and pick apart your life and say, don't be like this guy because look at what he did. Uh, how many of you are thankful that God is not doing that about your life? He's like, well, we could write a whole other Bible on my life and, and about the bad decisions that I made. And, and there's not too many people that get away unscathed, mentioned in Scripture, and only positive. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of stuff. And, and I, I wonder, it's kind of like talking about people. I feel like we're talking about people behind their back. We're going to get to heaven one day, and everyone's going to be like, what did you mean by that? You know, why are you, why are you always picking on me or, or talking about uh, uh, people that David, you know, we, we pick on David a lot or we pick on King Saul. All these people, I think, oh, I'm not talking about them behind their back, but God did put it in there for a reason. And so we want to look and see uh, what, we, uh, what we can from this. Reading Genesis chapter 12 uh, is kind of like watching a really good movie that you know has many, many sequels to. I'm a movie guy. 
Uh, generally, I, uh, I think that they write books about movies. My wife thinks it usually goes the other way, that they, they, wrote, a, they wrote a movie about a book, but that wouldn't make any sense because who wants to read the book? But uh, you, when you can watch it on a movie. But, uh, you know, when you're watching a good movie, like, um, I don't know, I'm a Star Wars, I'm a Star Wars fan, and, uh, and, you know, when you're watching one and you know that this is just the beginning and there's a lot more to the rest of the story, and it's got, it's just, it, you begin to pick apart uh, the, the, the movie and understand, oh yeah, that, there's, this, is, this is why that this is happening this way. And, and maybe when, when they, they, they make a, another movie that kind of shows you the prequel and, and it begins to fill in the blanks and help you to re-understand the entire as a whole because of the one or two little scenes or the one little part of, of an earlier thing, that's what I get when I read Genesis chapter 12. As I begin to read the story of our spiritual fathers, uh, we, we begin to put some pieces into place and, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense why this is like this and uh, how they got to being like this. But also, I see that, that I, they're, they're just like me. That Abraham and or we call him Abram, God changed his name later on, and so we may use those terms interchangeably today. Sarai or Sarah, same thing. And they're not too different from us. Uh, they lived at a different time. They wore different clothes. They spoke a different language. Yet they dealt with the same types of issues that we deal with today. So we back up in, into chapter 11. We just look at the story, if you will, a little bit and make application at the end. Really, it begins in, in verse number uh, verse number 24, 25. It, it kind of gives us a lot of the, the, the timeline of it. But 27 says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah is Abram's father. It says, Terah begat Abram and Nahor and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity in Ur the Chaldees. And uh, it says that Abraham got himself a wife in verse 29. Her name was Sarai. She had no children. This, is, this plays a big deal into the narrative that Sarai was barren. She couldn't have any children. And uh, we see in verse number 31, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son. We'll read about Lot in a few chapters. And Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And came unto Haran and dwelt there. And I put a little map in your notes there so you could you could kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, the, they lived in Ur of the Chaldees, which is about 186 miles southeast of Baghdad. All right, so we're talking about Iraq. So Abraham was... Uh, was an Iraqi, okay? He was a, he was a, a Middle Eastern. The whole Bible is the Middle East, okay? So, uh, you know, if you ever watch it on anybody that ever makes a, a movie about the Bible, they're all from England somehow. They're all white, and they all have British accents uh, to, to stay with the, the King James, you know, because that's uh, that's exactly what Jesus spoke uh, with a British accent, and uh, he used he used the use uh, in, in, in anyways. I'm, I'm digressing, but uh, it, it's. Uh, it's, it's helpful for us to get a bit of an understanding of where this story takes place. So Abraham lived in Ur of the Chaldees, and Ur of the Chaldees would have been like our New York City today. It was a very metropolitan city. It was a very uh, advanced society. It was a very, uh, a very uh, high cultural society. Uh, they, they, like I said, it would have been like New York City of the day. It would have, that's where uh, the, 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 the big wigs would have, would have congregated. That's where a lot of trade and commerce would have come. What, one thing that we learn about Abraham as we study about his life is that he's a very wealthy man. Uh, and he knew how to handle his business. He knew how to. He knew how to. He knew how to increase his wealth. And no doubt, he got that from living in such a big. He was not a backwoods kind of a guy. He was not. Uh, many of many of the people we read about in the Bible kind of came from uh, backwoods kind of a background. And yet, uh, Abraham was a very. Uh, he was a city guy. If you want to call him a city boy, uh, he was. He was uh, from that type of a background. Now, religiously, Ur of the Chaldees was a polytheistic. Uh, 
kind of a culture, which means that they worship many gods. One of the gods that they worship was the god Herky. It was the moon god. So Abraham was not a he was not a, a kid that grew up in Tots Church and and going to Awanas and or whatever the equivalent was at that time. Uh, he was he was a pagan, uh, and Abraham's family was pagan. Uh, they they worshipped the moon. They worshipped uh, many gods. They they didn't have a a true understanding of who Jehovah God the Creator was uh, because they lived in this society. Now which it's kind of unclear as to when Abraham became. Uh, a follower of, of Christ when he when he finally met the the, the one true God, but obviously uh, it happened somewhere along the way because God comes to him at some point and at seven he's seventy five years old and and God says I want you to leave her the Chaldees and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to tell you. Uh, as I read through this a couple times this week, a, a couple of thoughts that popped up in my head: How did he know to go that way? What if Abraham had started going east and further east and then it would have been like he ended up in China? Or what if he went straight north? He he followed that. If you can kind of see in the map there at the bottom right hand corner of your of your picture there is where Babylonia is, and then Ur of the Chaldees is just under it. You kind of need a magnifying glass to see it. It's so small there. But then if you he followed basically a, a an upside down U, and he he uh, went uh, from uh, what's called the Fertile Crescent all the way around, and Haran is at the very top of that U, and then he traveled down into what we understand as uh, Israel today. Uh, what if he traveled, kept going north, and ended up in, uh, you know, Scotland or Britain or, or uh, uh, Turkey is right up there? He kind of. What if he had gone, uh, uh, ended up in Russia? You know, the Bible would have had a very different flavor uh, had he not gone this way. But God was guiding him to a specific place, and uh, we see that uh, that God is is leading him to this to this uh, specific place. And God says there in verse number one of, of chapter twelve that we read, He says, "Get out, get thee out of thy country." from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. I'm just going to tell you when you get there, Abram. How many of you like taking road trips? Anybody like that? You're a road trip kind of person? You just, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there? Ah, me not so much. I kind of like to know where I'm going, and I want to get there as fast as I can. I don't like sitting in the car for a long time. Fortunately, Abraham didn't have to do that. He was on a donkey, so that might be worse. But he was traveling. Where are we going to go? I don't know. When are we going to get there? I don't know. How are we going to know when we get there? I don't know, but God's going to let us know when we get there. And, uh, he, and he goes. Now, the story is a little bit muddy here because we don't know exactly when uh, Abraham was called. Uh, Stephen, in, uh, his, uh, in his sermon in, uh, in Acts chapter 7, describes that while he was still in Ur or in Mesopotamia, that's when God called him. But for whatever reason, uh, the Genesis kind of makes us think that it was, it was Terah's idea to move north, and he stopped in Haran. And then after Terah died, then uh, Abraham uh, moves further down, and he gets into this, this, this journey as modern-day Israel. He stops in places like Bethel and, and uh, Hai. Uh, most people believe that's the Ai, which is uh, like uh, the place that Joshua lost all of his men uh, right after Jericho is. So there's that, this, that, that small area there. And, and when he finally gets down there, God tells him, this is the place that I want you to go. But we really dig into that, that idea of what God, what God was asking Abram to do. Think about it for a moment. What was God asking Abram to do? If God called Abraham when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham was in a place of of comfort. He was in a place that was very familiar to him. He was in a place that he was very uh, successful and prosperous. And now God says, I want you to go somewhere else. And I'm not going to tell you where that is. And I'm not even going to tell you how long it's going to take to get there. And I'm not going to tell you until you get there what it's going to be like. I just want you to go. I just want you to trust me. I just want you to follow me. And in other words, God wanted him to leave everything behind, leave his familiarity, leave his comfort zone, and simply follow him. 
he told them, I want you to leave three things behind. He said, I want you to leave your kindred, your, your country, and your father's house. And instead, he promises him three things. He promises him uh, a place. He says, I'm going to give you a new land. Uh, it'll be a place that I show you of, and it just won't be, you know, 40 acres or, or, or 100 acres. It's going to be a country. It's going to be a region. And as we read through Israel's conquest of Canaan, we realize how much land God promised Abraham. In fact, more he had promised than what they had claimed because of their, their lack of faith, because of their lack of obedience. Uh, those borders uh, kind of shifted, and over time, as there would be disobedience in the land, uh, other countries would come in and take over some, and then a new king would come in, and they would re-expand those borders. But uh, uh, there was, there was uh, at one point, Abraham standing up on the, on the mountain or the hillside, and God says, look that way. Everything you can see, that's going to be yours. Walk up and down. Go explore. This is, uh, you're here. You, you've made it. And God called them to do something, just an incredible uh, thing, and he promised them this land. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham, uh, was, was, as he walked around, was looking for a heavenly city. He wasn't necessarily looking for uh, a piece of dirt, a plot of land. He had a much, a much higher goal in mind, looking for a heavenly city whose builder and maker is God. He promised him a people. He promised him a nation. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation out of this. I'm going to, in fact, he didn't necessarily say that I'm going to give all this to you. He said, I'm going to give all this to your children, to your seed, to your offspring. The only problem was, as we read in chapter 11, he didn't have any kids. And he's 75 years old. I think it's interesting. If you want to turn there with me real quick, I, I, I find these, it's almost like the, the, God puts a little humor in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number, I believe it's verse number 8. Um, let me see here. I just, I just thought of it and I want to share with you because it, it kind of gives us a bit of a humor of what's going on. Verse number 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. So it's telling us the story of Genesis chapter 12. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Uh, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who is promised. Here it is. Therefore sprang there even of one, in the next phrase, in him as good as dead. Abraham was 75 years old, and this is how uh, this is how the writer of Hebrews just wanted to describe him. He's pretty much dead. He's pretty much almost done. He's on his last leg. But this is when God called him to go to a brand new place. Uh, those of you in your in your senior years, you're not thinking about starting all over again. You're not thinking, you know what? I think what we're going to do, except maybe if you have a you know a nice RV. You're not saying, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to pack everything up and just travel and just figure out we're going to stay in tents and we don't know where we're going to go we're going to start all over again and you're definitely not thinking about starting over with a family hey let's have another little one in the house you know i'm he's he's 75 sarah was 10 years younger than him she's 65 and they're you're going to have a baby oh yay exciting are you sure this is a blessing god i mean what did i do i'm sorry but they you know they had no children now, we know from the story that this promise wouldn't come for 25 years. 75 years old is one thing, saying, God, I'm really, okay, thanks for the son. But now he's 100, and Sarah's 90. And congratulations, it's a boy. Yay, yay. You know, I, I, this guy is, I mean, he's 100. You know, you ever felt like your parents couldn't understand, they couldn't relate to you? Isaac, 
Dad, you're 100 years older than I am. I mean, we don't do that. Nobody's done that like that for generations, Dad. You have no idea. It's, it's just, a, it's just a, an incredible thing if we really stop and put these stories together and understand. Abraham is 75 years old, and God says, I want you to go out, and I want you to find a new place, and I'll tell you when you get there. No more comfort. No more knowing the rest of your plan. I'd say by 75 years old, you kind of figured out how your life is going to be. You've kind of had some time to make your mistakes, and you've kind of settled into your groove. And, and you're kind of looking to now help maybe your children kind of get, get into their groove and find their, their niche, to find their place. And you're definitely not wait, looking for any more surprises. Uh, you're, you're ready to enjoy, and especially if you've, you've uh, saved and you've, you've invested in all this now, you're ready to enjoy that, that, those, those golden years, that retirement when uh, you, can, you can just kind of uh, coast now. You can take it easy and enjoy the fruits of your labor and hear God saying, I don't want you to do that. You're not going to take it easy. You're not going to go find a cabin in the woods somewhere and just take it easy and, and live out the rest of your days. You're going to travel and you're going to live in a tent. You're never going to, you're never really going to stop that lifestyle. Uh, you know what it's like to live in Ur. You know what it's like to live in a metropolitan city. I want you to go live in the wilderness now. I want you to just to travel, just, just kind of be a nomad and uh, just, just stay out of that comfort zone for a while. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to throw a baby in the mix and I'm going to make you a great nation. And then he promised him a great name. As I read that statement, I thought about how many times people oh, throughout the scriptures and even in, in, into our day, they're, they're really consumed with having a great name. Think of Absalom. He didn't, he didn't have an heir, so he made him a statue to, to, to be remembered by. Uh, we see the kings and uh, the different pagan kings throughout the scriptures that would make images of themselves and statues of themselves and want people to bow down to them because that was, that was they wanted honor. And here Abraham is not seeking honor. And God says, I'm going to give you a great name. He's going to, he says, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Back in chapter 12, he said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So not only am I going to give you a great nation, but every family in the earth. Basically, he's, he's referring to us. He's referring to Gentiles saying every other race is going, excuse me, is going to be blessed because of you. You're going to be a blessing, and they will and they will be blessed by you. And so it says that and really the, the, the main point of the sermon here is in chapter four. So Abraham departed. He did what God told him to do. So God promised him a place, he promised him people, and he promised him prestige. Ultimately, what God was offering to Abraham was a new identity, a brand new makeover, if you will, not attached to his old life, to his old family to his country. He was going to remake Abraham into, an old, into a whole new man, give him a whole new life, a whole new name, and a whole new future. And what 75-year-old man is looking to remake himself like that? You've kind of accepted who you are. You've kind of figured out if you, you think you have a funny-sounding name, you've kind of gotten used to it by now, and God's going to change that. Uh, you've, you've kind of got a place where you've lived, and maybe you lived in a place like in Sherman where you've kind of lived in the same place and you've been around the same people all your life, and God says, I want you to go where you're going to be a complete stranger and everybody will be a stranger to you. I want you to go into a place where you don't know what it's going to be like. He had a lot of herds. He had a lot of cattle. Uh, and, and you won't know uh, what it's going to be like for them and how your business is going to be su- supported. You're, you're not going to know if, if you're going to even stay in the same business. You're just going to go and trust me. Verse 4 says that Abraham did it. He went ahead and did it. 
he got to he he left Haran. I think that uh, he had he'd been called in Ur. He he got as far as Haran. He got a little bit complacent. He, he settled in there. Wait, wait, maybe his father was uh, was uh, was ill and he stayed there. But for some time he stayed in Haran. And then finally he continues that journey on. It says in verse number five that they took all the things that they had. He had Lot. He was kind of his uh, adopted father, if you will, uncle uh, Uncle Abraham, taking Lot down uh, with him into their new journey. They get into the land of Canaan. It says in verse number six that Abram passed through the land under the place of Sikkim, under the plain of Morah. And we read about this plain of Morah. Uh, there, are, uh, let me see. I wrote it down here. There are about ten times. Uh, I'm sorry, seventy-five times in the Old Testament where the word plain is used, and uh, it's more of a generic term. And so it's not necessarily a. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean a flat piece of ground. In fact, this time it actually is talking about a large tree. Uh, but many times it's talking about a valley or a desert or a, a region of area. Uh, but this one specifically, so he gets into this, this area of Sikkim, and there must have been some big tree there, and it was the, it was the oak or the plain of Morah. And it says there that the Canaanites were in the land, and there he stops, he builds an altar, and he worships God. Now, there must have been more to the story there because we didn't see God tell him to stop there. We didn't see God to tell him to keep going there. But he worships God. He builds himself an altar, altar there. And then he continues going. It says in verse 8, He removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord. So he's now built a second altar and called upon the name of the Lord. Again, we didn't see God tell him to keep moving. We didn't see God tell him to stop. So in verse number 9, he journeyed going on still toward the south. So if you're, if you're kind of seeing that image there, he, he's made a big horseshoe and he's coming back down and he's just continued traveling to the south which will help us to understand why he continues down into Egypt in uh, the next verses. We look at that next week. But the, 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 the thing I want you to get from this is that Abraham believed God, that he knew that God had a plan and he trusted in that plan, even though he himself didn't understand that plan. He, as I said, he arrived and built altars and continued to move. And as we begin this epic tale of our spiritual forefathers, we have to realize who Abraham really was. He was just a regular guy. He wasn't some spiritual superhero uh, who was unequated with the struggles that we face in life. He knew what it was like to be in your shoes. Different name, different time, different place, but the same type of issues. We see a man here that has a checkered past. He didn't grow up in church. Many of us did. Uh, we've, we've only known the, the worship of the true God all our life. And yet here, he, uh, he was a man that, uh, that had some baggage with him as far as his religious background. Uh, we're going to see him, as we study his life, repeat some of the same dumb decisions uh, that he had supposedly learned his lesson from. We'll witness him fail in ways that even may cause us to question his devotion to God and even to his own wife. This is Abraham. This is Father Abraham, the most famous of the Jewish nation. And Abraham is not perfect. Surprise, surprise. Abraham is just like me. But Abraham was a guy who learned to trust God. And he learned to follow Him. And when Abraham fell, he learned how to get back up and try again. We'll see that in a little bit more detail next week. Despite his shortcomings and his failures, Abraham is giving maybe the greatest compliment to ever be paid to a, to a person three times in Scripture. I wrote the verses down. You can look at them later on if you would like. God calls him a friend. Can you imagine that God, the God of heaven, looks down at you and says, 
That's my friend. Not my servant. Not my child. My friend. And think about it. That relationship in the Old Testament with God was not as close as it was in the New Testament when Jesus came and began to put literally skin and bones on God and say, this is God, and this is how you can be close to God, and this is how you can have a relationship. Long before that, there was one man, and God said, that's my friend. God didn't call him a friend because of his perfection. God didn't call him a friend because of his, of his wisdom. God called him a friend because he followed him, because he trusted him and he followed him. Isaiah 41, God says, Thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. James tells us that Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Can you imagine that? This is my friend. That's a that's, that's, that's big deal. That's a big deal. So let me ask you this. What is God calling you to do? Hopefully, Maybe fortunately, God has not called you to do something as extreme, as crazy as Abraham did. Leave your place and go somewhere, and I'll tell you when you get there. I, I, I felt that I, uh, I could relate a little bit to that because, you know, a little over a year ago, I felt like God said, it's time to go. And I said, where? And he said, I'll let you know. I said, when? He said, well, I'll let you know that too. And, uh, well, how? I don't know. But it's time to go. All right, what are you going to do? I had to figure that out. Learning to just trust and follow God. Let me ask you, what, what has God called you to do? It may not involve a physical location. It may not involve you physically having to leave where you live right now. It may not involve you getting a new uh, 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 income or a new career. It may not involve any of those things that Abraham had to deal with and other people have to deal with. But God has called each and every one of us to do something. What is it that God has asked you to do? Have you stayed in Ur where it's comfortable and familiar? You know that God wanted you to do something. Are you still in Ur? Have you still said, but it's so nice where I am and I've worked so hard to get to where I am. Why do you want me to leave this? I thought that this was your blessing and, and, and I want this now. Have you stayed in Ur? Maybe you've traveled a little ways and you finally made it to Haran, but you got a little sidetracked and you got a little distracted and you were obeying for a while and that calling that God wanted you to do. But now all of a sudden you find yourself in Haran and God's going, this is not the place that I wanted you to be. Uh, I, you finally moved on, but you stopped prematurely. It's time to move on. It's time to get back in the saddle, if you will, and continue in the journey that I've called for you. Have you settled back into your complacency and your comfort? What is it that God has called you to do? Are you scared of the unknown? Are you afraid to step out by faith? Sometimes we, we misunderstand what faith really is, and we have this idea that faith is taking a flying leap into absolutely unknown. That's not faith. Faith is not making a really dumb decision and giving it a spiritual title. Faith is having some sort of evidence that God wants you to do something. It's not knowing the whole plan, but it's knowing that God wants you to do it and stepping out. Hate to bring up lots of movie references, but I mean, you know, Indiana Jones, remember that? Remember that part when he was having to try to get across the big canyon there? And uh, they look like absolutely nothing there, but he takes those, he takes that sand and he throws it out there, and all of a sudden he sees places, these invisible steps. And that's faith. That's him stepping out saying, I can't see the whole step, but I see where the rocks didn't fall. There must be something there, it'll be okay. 
And that's what faith is, and that's what Abraham did. He didn't know everything, and it wasn't his idea to move. Sometimes we, we, try to, we try to blame faith on our dumb decisions and the consequences that we get from there saying, well, I, I, I had faith and it failed. I guess, it must, I guess I must not have enough faith. Maybe it wasn't God's plan. But we do know that God calls us to do things sometimes and he, it requires faith. Hebrews tells us that without faith, we can't please him. And so we've got to involve our faith in our following of God. Faith means that you're following God and His plan. You may not know what the whole plan is, but you know that God knows the whole plan, and so you've, you've, you've started that journey. I don't know where I'm going, but I know that you know, and I'm moving on. It's just like a little child. I don't know how to get there, but my dad does. I just get in the car, and somehow we always arrive. And, and I don't know how to, how to do this, but my dad does, and he's going to take care of it all. That's faith. That's the faith of a child, and that's what Jesus said you've got to have uh, to, to, to get into the kingdom. He says the faith of a child. You've got a heavenly Father that knows exactly how to get where you need to be, that knows exactly the stops to take along the way, that knows exactly how to do whatever it is He wants to do, and now He's invited you to be a part of that. And you say, well, I don't know how to do it. I guess I can't. No, no, no. I didn't ask you to do this on your own, he says. I asked you to just come with me. I asked you to follow me. And no, I'm not going to tell you every step along the way. I might just tell you the next step. And with my wife and I, the, the, the journey was taking the next step. We decided, we said, I know I've, I think I've told you the story a couple times. But you know, we decided it's time, God has called, it's time to move, it's time to do something different. It's time to move on from our comfortable, I had a great, uh, I, I live with my, not with my family, but I lived around my family, and I and I had a, had a house, and I had I had nice things, I had uh, I was I was familiar, I had I had some tenure in what I was doing, I was I was getting pretty good at what I was doing, and uh, but it was time to move, and so what was I supposed to do? I said, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next, but I figured you know one of the things if I'm going to move, I got I got I can't have this house, I better sell this house. And so I called a real estate agent and said, hey, I think we need to sell the house. Oh, that's great. What are you going to do? I don't know. Where are you going to move to? I don't know. Well, when do you need to move? I really don't know. I just know I can't take that with me wherever we go. So let's stop. Okay, so we sold the house. Two weeks later, it sells. Now, now, okay. And so most of my praying during that time was, okay, God, that was the only other thing I knew to do. I sold my cars. I, I sold my house. I sold my motorcycle, for goodness sake. I'm serious about this. Show me what to do next. Show me the next step. And, and, and all I kept getting was just the next step. Not the whole steps. I got this, I got this idea to call this crazy guy up in Sherman, New York. Big old beard. Couldn't hear very well, you know. And I met Larry Spinks on the phone for the first time and I called this guy up and I introduced myself to him. Hey, I'm Tim and I hear you have a church looking for a pastor and I'm a pastor looking for a church. Why don't you hire me? And it sounded about as, as dumb as that when I hung up the phone. He's like, uh, well, uh, you know, send us a resume. You know, it was like, I kind of took him off guard, but, and I, and I thought, oh, that's the, that's the dumbest thing I ever done. I can't believe I even thought about that. And for months, I put that out of my side, out, out of my mind. And then every once in a while, something pop up and there's another opportunity. Here's another opportunity. And there was so many different ways to go. And I wanted to make sure I took the right one because it wasn't just affecting me. It was going to affect my whole family. Abraham wasn't going to just affect him. He was affecting his whole family. 
He was affecting Lot, who's gonna, who had a family. He's going to affect a lot of things around him, and yet he knew it was time to go, and it was time to do something that God wanted him to do. What is God asking you to do? Are you ready to step out by faith? Are you ready to just follow and take the next step? I don't know what that step is, but all right, if that, whatever you want me to do, what is keeping me back from taking the next step? I've got to cut that off. What is, okay, if, 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 I don't know where, but I know that this has to happen, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And as God begins to show you the, you can look back 10 or 20 steps later and go, oh yeah, okay, now it begins to make a little sense. And you may not ever know all of it until you finally get to the last step. And as, as we see as, as when Abraham got to Canaan, God said, all right, here you are. Oh really? This is it. I hope he stopped him in a, in a beautiful place. Not in the middle of the desert going, oh, well, it, it gets prettier. Just trust me. But he, he, he says, here it is. You're finally there. And maybe you'll finally take a step and God say, okay, this is what I wanted you to do. But you'll never know until you follow. Until you finally take that next step. Until you finally step out by faith. Though God's plans involve being uncomfortable and not knowing even the immediate future, they are infinitely better with anything that any of us can ever come up with. Abraham didn't know his whole plan or where he was going. He just knew the next step, and he took it. And it was uncomfortable, and it was scary, but it worked out every single time, didn't it? We have the benefit of reading about a man like Abraham, but Abraham didn't have that. He didn't have the story of Abraham to read and, and, and take, take comfort in knowing that God gets it right every time if you just trust him. And yet he still followed. God's promise involved things better than what Abraham already had. It involved things that he didn't even have. God gave Abraham things that he could have never dreamed of. Friends, God is not limited by your background. God is not limited by your baggage. He's not limited by what you do or don't have. All he needs is faith. All he needs is a follower. Would you be that follower? Would you be brave enough to bow your head and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? Would you be brave enough to listen? Because I think many times we'd say, I don't, I don't. if I ask, he'd probably answer. I ain't going to ask. Would you be faithful enough to say, okay, God, if you were to show me something, maybe God's not calling you to do anything drastic. Maybe right now, God is, uh, I mean, God doesn't keep us going in a, in a frantic loop all the time. Uh, but maybe, maybe God is asking some of us to do things. Maybe it's time that we stop and we say, well, what, what is it? If there was something that you want, many times I remember praying, God, if there's something else you want me to do, let me know, I'll do it. But until then, I'll just keep doing this because this is the last thing I knew that you wanted me to do. And I don't want to get stuck in some place that's comfortable if it's not where God wants me to be. I'll be honest, I don't have a timeline for being here. I just kind of come here and plan on staying here until I'm done, until I'm dead. But if God ever just said, hey, I know for sure that he wants you to go somewhere else, that's where I want to be. But I know right now that God wants us to be right here. And so we come. And by faith, we said, I hope this works out. I'm a city guy, and I'm moving in the country. Y'all remember that first time I preached, and I ripped on cows, big time. And we go out, we go to lunch, and we find out we like cows around here. Oh, probably ruined my chances there, you know. But God, God calls us to do some interesting things sometimes. It doesn't take a lot of skill. It doesn't take a lot of talent. It doesn't even take wisdom to figure out what it is. It just takes a little bit of faith. 
from someone who will say, okay, God, I, I don't know exactly what you want me to do, but I'll, I'm up. You choose me, I'll, I'll play. Step out. Step out by following.